Hello and welcome to Huguenot Podcast, episode 95. Today we're going to be continuing the Thoughts Inspired by the Runes series, but before I jump into that, I will do the station news. So first of all, remember to check out my website at huguenhoff.org. That's H-U-G-I-N-H-O-F.org. That is where you can find links to the show and subscribe to the RSS. If you want to email me, feel free to do so at huguenotpodcast at gmail.com. That's also at the website everything's at the website um before i jump in i also want to remind people to check out steve's book steve's book which can be found on amazon just search for Stephen oaks he has a number of them now and actually the easiest way to do that is just to go to the show notes i've got plain text and a google doc link just go there and then we'll have a link to his book and you can check that out you can also check out my book the link is in the show notes as well Okay, so I think that's all the station news I needed to get out of the way. Today, we are going to be talking about another rune. We're going to be talking about Solwaz. I don't know if I pronounced that right, but it's one that looks kind of like an ass. Um, anyway, if you want to look at the super simple definition, you can go to my website and it's there. It's uh, victory or rebirth is what I have. If you want to look at the original rune poems, which I would definitely suggest, there will be a link in the show notes. Um, I think you can just search like sunny way rune poems or something, but you can look at the three original rune poems, which are the source for our understanding of the runes. So they're a great place to go. Anyway, so, so so I'm going to read those rune poems quickly. Again, I'm not going deep into the meaning here, just inspired by stuff, but I need a little bit of background. So in the Old Norse rune poem, you have soul, sun is the light of the world, I bow to the divine decree. In the Icelandic, you have soul, shield of the clouds, and shining ray, and destroyer of ice. I like that. I guess that's kind of like a kinning, shield of the clouds. So it's kind of a neat... Um, way to look at the sun. But uh, Destroyer of Ice, I think that's important because we had ice not that long ago in the runes, Isa. And then last Anglo-Saxon has Sigil, the sun is ever a joy in the hopes of seafarers when they journey away over the fish's bath until the courser of the deep bears them to land. Fish's bath is obviously the ocean. Um, uh, so you see there, it's very much about, uh, what would you say, joy, uh, happiness, stuff like that, victory. And again, when you think of the sun, obviously that's a happy thing. You have almost this idea of the day conquering the night um, as one way to look at that relationship between the sun and the moon, maybe. Uh, day is a... Uh, we say things like, tomorrow's a new day to give us hope that like we're off to a new start or we've done something good so you've got all of those things in there and the last room that we looked at was where's my runes the last thing that we looked at was alga's protection and this is the last room in heimdall's at which is all about heimdall it's about it can be considered to be about self-improvement or even magic and this is the last step of that where like you are actually victorious and whatever it is you're trying to do change yourself or change the world or whatever this is the end of it the victory the new day which is kind of similar to dagestan so i don't want to mix them up too much um but this is about victory or rebirth i think the rebirth thing is in 
that at where like the the last thing the goal of the whole process of this last at was sort of rebirth and the sun is very much tied to rebirth not just in Norse mythology and all sorts of different mythologies sun gods are normally tied to rebirth um, so yeah it's very much tied up with the whole rebirth thing which is one of those things that's really important to us um, so that's mostly what I'm going to say about the rune itself. It sort of goes into thoughts inspired by, I guess. It's, I guess it's still spring, so it's sort of a good timing of this podcast. We've got the sun out and stuff like that. It is, um, it is spring. Things are coming back alive, and we get to see, like, firsthand with nature the idea of this, like, rebirth happening, you know firsthand anyway um i really like i really like the idea of rebirth for one and i really like the idea of looking um at cycles in nature to sort of understand the world or understand ourselves and stuff like that because it's easy when you're inside all day to not really look at the outside world or to think it's something alien and separate from you which you know this this is a little bit of a tangent but i'm going to go down it anyway this is something I always wonder, because I think it'd be cool to go to Mars, right? I think it'd be cool to go on a spaceship and explore the stars, like Star Trek style. It's not going to happen in my lifetime, so, I mean, Mars, maybe, but it would never be, like, normal people going to Mars in my lifetime. Like, you, if we're really lucky, we might have a manned mission to Mars in my lifetime. Maybe. But we're not going to colonize Mars in our lifetime. I mean, I hope I'm wrong, but I don't think I will be. I don't think we're going to colonize Mars in our lifetime, and we're not going to master intergalactic travel in my lifetime for sure. But you have these things of, like, in Star Trek, for example, people go to these other planets, like humans go to the other planets and habitat those, habitate those planets. Uh, people have a base on Mars, and they live there. And then other people, like, live in um, spaceships. You know, th there is no cycle of Earth. They're truly not connected to Earth. Everybody here, no matter how much you don't see the connection to Earth, you are actually connected to Earth because we are living on Earth. We are on the planet. The sun rises and sets every day, and 90% of people see that. Now, I mean, there are the people in really far away locations like the poles who don't have the regular 24-hour cycle and then there's people on submarines and stuff which i think is as close as we get probably to space because you don't really necessarily see the night and day um i mean it depends on what you're on i just feel like there are there's some obscure cases where you're deep underground for six months at a time and you're not really seeing this rising and setting of the sun. But those are rare. Most of us, probably everyone listening to this, sees a rising and setting of the sun on a daily basis. And actually, even if you're in like the Arctic, let's say, and you have a longer night-day cycle, there is still a cycle. Within the year, you see a changing of the cycle, a changing of light and darkness. It's not really the same cycle everybody else is watching, but it exists. If you're in some weird underground bunker, you really don't see the rising and setting of the sun at all. That's weird. And it's hard on people, actually. People don't like that. Like, 
it's hard to get in, or my understanding is it's hard to get in a good, like, sleep cycle if you don't have the light to wake you up and the dark to tell you it's time to sleep. If you don't have that, like, external stimulus saying, like, oh, it's time to wake up, it's time to sleep now, it's hard on people. And actually, you see this, I think, with, like, we've probably all had friends or know people who work a night shift job. I used to work a night shift job. I have lots of friends who still work night shift jobs. I always liked my night shift job, but also I slept way more because it's just something about it's harder to fall asleep, and I still sleep a lot, but uh, it's it was always harder for me to, like, fall asleep and get good quality sleep when I was sleeping through the day and waking up at night. I liked it because I like the night. I think it's calmer out and I think it's pretty. I mean, I like the day too, but I, I've always been a fan of the night. So I'm not complaining about my night shift job. Uh, and a lot of me misses my night shift job. But I think I had to sleep a lot more and I think my quality of sleep was lower. And my quality of sleep is already not great, so I don't need anything to make it lower. Um, but just as humans, we are programmed, we've evolved to be awake in the day when the sun is out and be at sleep when the sun is not out and, you know, it's dark out. So I think it's hard to adjust to like these changes in night-day cycles. So what I'm always, all what I'm getting to with this never-ending tangent is like, how would we actually fare in space? Oh, and there's another place where people don't have the same night-day cycle as like on the International Space Station. Um, they see the Earth and they see the sun, but it's not quite the same thing. And there, there's all sorts of different things that happen in space. Some of them are straightforward and testable, like you lose bone density. But I wonder what other, like, psychological effects there would be for living in space. Like, if we, because even people on the ISS don't stay up there for their entire lives, imagine if we actually became a spacefaring race, and we got on a generation ship, like the Enterprise. I watch a lot of Star Trek, um, so that's where these thoughts come from. And we had, like, our kids in space. How would that affect us? Or what if even we colonized a world other than our own? We colonized Mars and lived there. They at least have some similarities. They see the cyclical nature of the universe because at least they have days and nights. But it's not the same as Earth, and you're awfully alienated from your home planet and from nature. I guess you can make the argument that nature is something universal nature, quote-unquote, exists everywhere in the universe. So you're never truly disconnected from nature because you're always in existence. But I don't know if that's true. And life doesn't exist everywhere in the universe. Is nature is nature the natural laws of the world? I mean, sure, that's part of it. But when I say nature, and it's important to be, and I feel like when people say it's important to be connected to nature, they're not just talking about the physical laws or, you know, the, the laws of thermodynamics and physics and all these other things, they're talking about life. It's important to understand that we are part of a larger organism or a larger group of organisms that is the Earth. It's important to understand that we are not the only life and that life is this bigger-than-us thing. But if you were to live on Mars, there would truly be no life on the planet other than 
what you brought with you, the artificial life, artificial life is not the wrong right word, um, the, other than like what you brought with you from Earth. But if you went out and went camping in the Martian outback, I don't know what they call it, it would truly be dead. Like, even when we go into the desert, there is life. It's, we don't see it immediately. We think that the desert is dead and barren, but it's not. There's actually lots of life there. But if you, like, lived on Mars, there wouldn't be. And I mean, what does that mean? And I mean, I, I another interesting question is, like, if we were on generation ships and colonizing other planets, would we find life out there? And would going hiking in an, on an alien planet with life that evolved differently than ours, would that give you that connection to nature that you get when you go hiking here on Earth? And I don't know. I mean, I think that's a really good question. How universal is nature? Like that connection you feel to the external world, could you feel that on an alien world, period? That's the first question. And then the second question is like, what about a world without life? I mean, you can't feel connected to the life around you if there is no life around you. What does that do to your psyche? How do you connect with um, all these things? And I mean, especially in Austria, you have the idea of connecting to the land spirits and the elves and stuff like that. And I think there's even connection like, are you going to be able to have the same connection to the land spirits in America as you do in Great Britain, if your ancestry is from Great Britain? And I think the answer is yes. I think that the life on the planet is universal. There's life and, and there's a connection that we can have to nature no matter where we are on the planet. And it's, it's maybe not the same nature that our ancestors connected to in the sense that geographically it's different so it is unique it is its own thing but it's still fundamentally the same there's a power to nature that we can connect to wherever we are on the planet there's certain spirits of nature that we can connect to wherever we are on the planet and i think it doesn't matter where you live you can connect to those those forces of nature or spirits of nature or whatever you believe they are. But I think it's a completely different question when you're talking about inhabiting Mars. Like, how, how do we how do we connect with the land whites or the elves if you're in a generation ship or even if you're on Mars or some other dead planet that's never had life or some planet that has life that evolved differently than ours? It's... It seems that there's a connection between like the physical and the spiritual world, to some extent at least. And I don't know if spiritually they'd be the same entities if they evolved in a completely different way. Or maybe they would. I, I think that this like that's a really interesting thing. Um, so I guess there's two questions. First of all, like psychologically, what would it be like to live on a dead, a dead planet or travel the stars in a generation ship? What would that be like? Uh, psychologically. Would it make us all go crazy? I don't know. Those are great questions. And remember the Enterprise, for example, this is that is what I think a generation ship would be. A big ship with lots of people. There would be holodecks or some version of that. At the very, at the very, very, very least, there would probably be some technology like holodesks. But at the very, very, very least, there would be like gymnasiums and swimming pools. There would be artificial gravity, which theoretically would fix the whole bone density loss thing. 
there there would be things to do. There would probably be forests. I mean, seriously, if you're going to have a generational ship, you would probably have, if not forest, parks. Because remember, these ships would have to be huge if you're going to have enough people to have like genetic diversity for long periods of time. You need a huge population of people. So you need huge space. And there'd probably be things like, like forests. Also, it could help with like recycling waste waters and stuff like that, you know, fertilizing the forest. Anyway, nature sort of, nature is sort of like this self-contained thing on the earth, which is really big, but it's still a self-contained thing. So I think we'd model that if we had a generation ship. So you get rid of these things because there's a lot of things like, well, if you're cramped in this tiny room with five other people for six years, is going to make you go insane. It's like, yeah, I I get that, but that's not what I'm talking about. It's like, what if it was a generational ship where, like, it was so big you literally didn't know everybody on board? It's just huge ship. So you get away from the things like, well, isolation and boring surroundings and stuff like that. Because, of course, if you're in space, you know most of the time looking out the window is going to be boring because it's just... I don't know. I don't know. I mean... I don't know what space looks like from a spaceship. It'd actually probably be super pretty. I don't know if I'd ever get bored of looking at stars. I just feel like I could stare at stars forever. But who knows? Maybe I'm wrong. And They are all stars, I guess. Whatever. So you're going to have these forms of entertainment so that you don't get bored. So, like, boredom is not going to be a problem. And drab surroundings is not going to be a problem you're going to decorate your room there's going to be restaurants and cafes and pubs in the ship there's going to be parks i really think there would be parks and forests in a generational ship if they make it so we get rid of all these other things and you're left with just the fact that you're not on the earth anymore and you know we'd probably simulate a day night cycle like for the whole ship we'd be like okay well the lights are on at, I don't know, just like mirror what the sun would do. And you turn the lights on at a certain time and you turn them off at a certain time so that we can stay in that circadian rhythm or whatever it's called. I think I pronounced that wrong. Anywho. Um, but when you take all these other factors into consideration and you're just left with the idea that like we're not connected to nature but everything else is the same, is it just... I don't know. What's, what's that mean? Is it just like, well, nature is in us. Nature is part of us because we were born from nature. So we connect to ourselves. And by doing that, we have a connection to nature. Because I think that would be true. Or do we need more? Do we need, do we need to be closer to nature? Is it good for us to be closer to nature? Would there be some like unknown side effects from not being close to nature? Because I don't want to go too far down that path and I sound like some hippie going, like, oh yeah, every day I gotta take my shoes off and walk in the grass so I can be in touch with nature. And it's like, well, you don't though, really. You're fine if you don't do that. I usually wear shoes when I go outside. Uh, and it's, it's like... And you know what? I like going hiking. I think it's really fun. I like going camping as well. I like going backpacking, actually. Um, I think it's fun. I like, I think it's fun to be in, I don't know, I think it's fun to be alone and close to nature. But I completely understand that not everybody does. There are plenty of well-adjusted people who haven't gone camping in their lives. 
And there's plenty of well-adjusted people who don't hike and don't really spend any significant amount of time in nature. You know, imagine someone who grows up in a major metropolitan area and they're just not a big fan of the park that's there or parks in general. They're just, you know, that's not their thing. There's plenty of people who are well-adjusted and don't really spend a lot of time in nature. So maybe it's the same here. Maybe it doesn't matter. Maybe it's like, oh, well, you know, I don't spend any time in nature at all because I'm on a spaceship all day and literally nature isn't anywhere, but I'm still fine. That could be. But I wonder, those are the kind of things I wonder about, like, would there really be any consequence from not being close to nature at all? I kind of feel like there would be. I don't know, maybe that's just because my own personal biases. But I feel like being that disconnected from nature could be, at the very least, difficult on people or hard on people. Because I do think that we work in cycles as well, just humanity in general. I think we go through through cycles, you know, like day-night. We, we go through our own type of cycles, where we're in a good mood followed by a bad mood. We're more introspective and more action-oriented. We go through these different cycles through our lives. Um, and even bigger cycles, like, you know, first you're a child, and then you're an adolescence, and then you're an adult, and then you're a parent for some people, and then you get old, and then you die. That's That itself is a cycle, and it helps to see the cycles of nature around that sort of mirror that same process um, to make it okay with you. You know, you see the night die every day. Well, that's a weird way of putting it. You see the day die every day. You see the day end every day, but then you see it come back as well. And you can sort of, and you see, you see summer end every year, but then it comes back the next year. And a lot of those things are helpful to understand how our own mortality works or how our own internal cycles work. Um, how we die, but then we continue on in other ways through memories or spiritually or whatever your own personal beliefs are. But I think a lot of that is informed by our observations of the natural world around us. Like, here's a, here's a really good question, I think. How would philosophy change if we became a spacefaring race? Like, a lot of philosophers draw inspiration from the natural world around them. So would philosophy change if that inspiration was no longer there to guide them? How would the arts change? There's all sorts of things. Um, how would a particular art change? How would bonsai change? Because that's all about mimicking something you find in nature. I mean, you could still do that on a spaceship, but you wouldn't have the nature to inspire you anymore. How, and I mean, that's a super specific example. How would landscape paintings change? Um, but I think all these little examples would add up into something significant, at the very least culturally. And I, I, I think that it could be a place where we don't appreciate nature anymore, and we don't appreciate... 
um, the natural side of us and our more physical bodies and stuff like that. Or it could go the reverse where we appreciate nature more because we're not around it every day. We can't take it for granted anymore and, and we remember how important it is to to not take it for granted and and to think about it it's sort of one of those things like if you have oh i don't know it could it could be anything i, I guess the classic example would be like if you're dating a person it's easy for you to take take them for granted and not think about them but the, the second like you stop dating them or you break up or whatever you're going to think about them constantly because simply because they're not there anymore and I mean, even if you want to take a less depressing example, you take a person for granted when they're there. Let's just say it's your wife. You take for granted when they're there. But if they have to go on a business trip and they're out of the house for two weeks, you're probably going to think about them constantly because they're not there anymore and you think about the things that are not there anywhere more. Could it be the case that we would actually th spend more time thinking about nature and appreciating it because it's not there all the time? I mean, I think there's different ways we could take it. Ultimately, we don't know. I mean, in, in, in a very serious way, it doesn't matter because we're not going to space in my lifetime. But I don't really want to say that because I do think it kind. I do think it matters. I do think we'll eventually get to space. Maybe I'm overly optimistic, but I think humanity will eventually make it there. And I wonder what sort of hurdles we'll have when it comes to 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 this idea that we will not see the cycles of nature nearly as clearly as we do now. Like, how's that going to affect us? I just think that's interesting because I think you've got. I think you got a lot of these old ideas, you know, ideas from the lore and, and ideas from nature and stuff like that, sort of, um, what's the word? It's interesting to see how all of these old ideas, which are still relevant to our lives, sort of get juxtaposed against these new ideas, like going to space. Uh, like, I don't know if our ancestors ever thought about going to space. It probably wasn't a top concern, though. They had like they had really cool ships, but it's not like they were going to make it to the stars. They knew that it was going to be a really long time before they left the planet. They couldn't even fly. So this is probably not something that they spent a lot of time thinking about. But then if you look at these old beliefs, which are still valid today, in my opinion, obviously, how do you square those with the idea of going to space? Like something I've always liked about Austro is this focus on uh, connection with nature. So how do you stay connected to nature, but also go to space? Because I've also always been a big proponent of space travel, because I, I think it's good. I think it's good for our species to get off the planet, and, and, and on, uh, uh, that's the only way we're going to survive. So, you know, eventually the sun is going to red dwarf, and then the planet's going to get burned, and we can't stay here. We'll die as a species if we don't get off the planet. So, like, how do we maintain a connection with nature while also leaving the planet? And I think that's a really good question. Is it enough to take nature with us? Like, I was talking about parks and forests on the ship. It's like, yeah, that's better than nothing, but it's not quite the same thing. Can we connect to alien nature? I don't know. I don't know if it would be the same thing that either. 
or do we have to connect to ourselves? Is that currently the way? And now then, then it begs the question, is that currently the best way to connect to nature? Since we are natural beings, we are beings of the earth, by looking inward, is that how we connect to something greater? The quote-unquote nature with a capital N, is that how we connect to nature? By looking into ourselves now? I don't know. I think they're interesting questions. Um, yeah, so I think that's enough rambling about space travel for one day. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up. So I hope everybody got something out of that. Uh, my my final thoughts are just that I think that nature and the cyclical nature and the cyclical nature of nature that sounds silly. Um, I think that nature and the cycles that exist in nature are really important, and we really need to be connected to those. I think it's interesting to wonder what would happen if we aren't physically connected to them anymore, as if we were on a spaceship. Um, and then I, I think it's interesting to think about the ways that we could still connect to nature spiritually without having like the physical ground and the physical planet to connect to. I just think those are really important. I think nature is always going to be important to us, no matter where we go. And it's going to be a unique challenge to figure out how best to connect to nature when we're right, not right next to it, because we are kind of taking it for granted now. So anyway, fun things to think about. Um, nature is cool. Space is also cool. That's my final thought. Okay, so thank you everyone for listening. Please remember if you want to check out my website, you can do that at hugenhoff.org. That's H-U-G-I-N-H-O-F dot org. And there you should subscribe to the RSS because I only release monthly and that's not going to change. So it's easy to forget this. Just put the RSS in your favorite podcast catcher and it'll come every month. If you had emails, feel free to send them to me at hugenhoffpodcast at gmail.com. Check out Laura's books. Check out my books. Yeah, I think that is it. So everyone, thank you very much for listening. And I will talk to you next month. Fra hail.